Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to another healing conversation brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. My name is Loren Gailey, and today we're talking about love and its shadow side, fear, and how we can make a global transformation by moving out of a fear-based world into one that is love-based. Now, there are two basic emotions from which all the other emotions are created, and they are love and fear. From love, we know, comes happiness, joy, compassion, empathy, gratitude and forgiveness, and the list goes on with all of those positive emotions in life. And from fear, on the other hand, comes anger, hatred, frustration, greed, jealousy, competitiveness, and the list goes on with all the other negative emotions in life. So today, this healing conversation is going to show you how you can be in love emotions here in the now and not go to the shadow or the dark side of those fear emotions. We're going to learn how to release our fears and choose love. When we're living in a time in our world where it seems there's so much negativity around us, the question becomes, how do we change our views, our beliefs, perspectives, and choose to find the love in everything around us. My guest today will talk about this. Now, at first, this conversation may seem dark because we're going to be talking about the Illuminati and hidden agendas, but it is a healing conversation. And what we're going to discover is that we can take this shadow side, this dark side, these negative events, and turn it around, transform and heal Find the love so we can change this into that new world based in love. My guest is Fred Burks. Let me start over here. My first guest is Fred Burks, Executive Director for Peers, Public Education and Empowerment Resources Services. This is a group that operates several websites, including weboflove.org, and the transformationteam.net, among others. Now, Fred comes from the government arena. He served for 18 years as a contract language interpreter for presidents and dignitaries from around the world. He's dedicated himself both to informing the public about major cover-ups happening in our world and also to inspiring others to transform ourselves and our world through love, and empowerment. Fred's deepest commitment in life, he says, is, I give all that I am into the service of all that is. So welcome, Fred. So glad to have you here. Thanks, Loren. It's great to be here and great to have all of our listeners here, too. And also joining us today is Michelle Anderson. She is a spiritual counselor and light worker who is one person I know who really lives these ideals in her life every day. She is actually doing the work of helping people awaken. She holds sacred ceremonies 
and lead sacred journeys to places like Machu Picchu, Mount Shasta, Hawaii, and others. And Michelle is the one who introduced me to Fred Burke's websites because she really felt a strong resonance to his websites and the content of them, and she uses them as tools in her lightworker efforts every day. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Lorraine. What a wonderful way to introduce both of us. I, I'm honored to be here. Well, everyone, get ready for a beautiful show. These two people we're going to talk to have so much in common, and they've never met yet, and we're, we're seeing this happen on today's radio show. So first, Fred, tell us about your experience in the government and what you saw and how you came about living your current passion, which is your service to help transform this world. <laughs> well, that alone could take up a whole hour, but I'll try to be very brief. I, I love my life. It's been a very exciting life and been blessed in many ways, and I have to start with my own deep commitment to really live in service. And, and you said that my favorite saying is, I give all that I am into the service of all that is. I really do my best to, to choose what's best for all beings in everything that I do. And this deep, unwavering commitment for pretty much my entire adult life has just caused miracle after miracle and just a wonderful, rich ride through life. I never, ever dreamed that I would be interpreting in the White House or doing the work that I'm doing now. Uh, basically, a bunch of little miracles happened that brought me to Indonesia when I was uh, still in college at age 21, 22, and had a fantastic time there living with a beautiful Muslim family, uh, 20 people under one roof for one year. I got fluent in the Indonesian language, came back, went off and lived in China for two years when it was still communist, which was fascinating, and came back. And then a friend told me about this cool job taking uh, people around on study tours of the United States with the State Department. And I said, oh, that sounds interesting. So signed up, got hired on, and it was a fantastic uh, job. I really loved traveling all over the country and learning about all sorts of different things, taking around very dynamic individuals from Indonesia. And then, uh, without even trying, I got moved up the ranks, and um, let's see, it was 1995 when I found myself in the White House with uh, Bill Clinton, Al Gore, and President Suharto of Indonesia. And the funny thing is, you know, once I got there, I was like, whoa, well, I knew I was there. It's like I'm supposed to be there to be a channel of love and invitation to these world leaders. And so even though I didn't say any of that energetically, whenever I wasn't interpreting, I would literally be channeling love and inviting everyone to open their hearts to what's best. And in fact, I already had an, uh, eventually I developed quite a, uh, an email list and I would have hundreds and even thousands of people joining me in that when I was in their presence. So it's been a rich, delicious, miraculous journey that... Uh, um, I am just blessed. Oh, and then you asked about how I got into all the work. Well, eventually I reached a place in my spiritual development where I said, okay, I'm ready now to face the deepest, darkest parts of myself. Um, and I said, not all at once, but, you know, I really want to know any part that I'm hiding from myself so that I can be a better servant to all of us. And I put out that prayer, and within a short time, I learned about some really deep cover-ups that basically blew me away. It's like, whoa, I had no idea this was going on. I started learning more and more, and um, what I came to realize is that my prayer to understand the deepest, darkest places showed up as the shadow side.
inside of the world, but it was also reflecting something inside of myself. And so that put me on a whole other path where I've gone deep into the shadow, and I have learned that the shadow is a powerful way for us to learn about ourselves and to grow, and that actually we don't need to be afraid of fear, that fear is actually a powerful invitation to growth. And when we step consciously into fear, it is naturally transformed into love. And so it's been a rich, amazing, fascinating journey, and I just love all the people I've gotten to meet, like uh, you, Loren, and Michelle, just getting to meet now more great people. So You said that you have the desire to face your deepest, darkest part of yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you did that, you were revealed cover-ups, but they were cover-ups of our world, and it was a mirror back to something in yourself. How did you transform that out of yourself, and how did you make the connection? Something in the world was connected with something inside. Well, that, you know, on my spiritual journey, and I've been on a spiritual journey my whole life, I really have come to see how what I see in the world is a reflection of what's going on inside of me. And I see that more and more all the time, and so I already had that understanding. And so when I put out this prayer, um, I was very aware that I was opening myself to the deepest levels of, of everything. And so first I got this really um, astounding information about stuff that I had never known. It was actually about UFOs, the first information that I got. And it was very solid from reliable witnesses, and it just blew me away. And, and then I have to look, and I realized, what I've realized is how, how that was reflecting what's going on inside of me. For a long time, I've kind of avoided looking into the shadows um, in myself and out in the world. I mean, I, I've, done, I've done a good amount of work, but um, I've just seen ways that by being overly focused on light and love and trying to put love into every situation, I'm denying the uh, empowering aspects of the shadow. You know, and that may sound strange to people that there's empowering aspects of the shadow, but if you think about it, shadows like light and dark. Well, without the dark, fertile soil to plant the seed, and the seed has to sit there and germinate in that dark soil surrounded by this womb-like darkness, the seed can't grow. It can't grow in air. It needs that darkness and fertile soil. And if you think about it, fertilizer is basically, you know, excrement. And fertilizer is this, you know, um, pardon the language, but it's the shit in our life. And that's what actually helps the seeds to grow. And so when we're willing to use the fertilizer at the, the hard places in our own life to support our own growth, it opens up all new avenues. And that's what I saw in my own life when I was starting to more consciously embrace my own shadow side and the shadow side of the world as a teacher, then things really started accelerating. And that was uh, back in 2001, and it's been an amazing ride ever since. I find that so fascinating, the way you language that, Fred. Um, It really gives me insight into my own journey. Because, you know, I've often been accused of being this Pollyanna person who just only sees the good in people. And Same only here. <laughs> and people always make made fun of me for being, uh-huh. you know, oh, Michelle. And I've had, you know, Facebook has been a very interesting vehicle to bring people together. And 
it's been amazing um, to watch the connections happen through Facebook. I didn't feel it on MySpace. I felt a lower vibration on MySpace. Mm-hmm. And when I when I was pushed to join Facebook through the group that Lorraine and I met through, they all wanted to see each other, you know. And I said, oh, gosh, not another thing I have to keep up with, yep. you know. But it has connected us all. And... You know, I I found people lash out at me sometimes for my love, 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 you know, persona that I put out there. And I used to feel defensive about it, but through your websites, I've been able to utilize your websites as tools to say, you know, there is this dark side and we need to learn from this dark side. And the conspiracy theories that come up, I, I know when you were speaking, I right away flashed on that movie with Mel Gibson and Julia Roberts. You know, it just popped in my head. And I remember having a pit in my stomach while I watched that movie because I I saw the world through rose-colored glasses, and I didn't, you know, I thought, where's this movie coming from, all this stuff? But there's something very deep inside of me resonated with that movie, and I felt the what if. What, What if some of that's true? You know, here I believe in the good in everyone, and I'm watching this movie, and I had this inner turmoil and conflict. But through your websites, I've been able to see that it's important. Knowledge is power. And when we come together and we join forces together, it's the collaborative effort that is going to raise and lift the vibration on this planet. Mm -hmm. We are not sheeple to be walking around and be dumbed down. We actually have brains and can think. And when we open that up, you're, you're empowering so many people to this knowledge. But the thing that I really, really connected with with you was you, you, you're very bold about connecting the dots. You do it in this concise way. It's not just all mishmash. You're, you're very um, tactile in the way that you present the facts. You present the facts. You let people have the facts, but then you have this responsible piece in you that says, okay, now that we know those facts, let's come back over here, because that whatever we focus on, we're creating more of. So the way that you so eloquently language, yeah, it's good to know all this stuff so that we know it and we can do something about it, but the main thing that we need to do is shift back right. into love and out of, the, out of the fear and come together and collaborate and community. And, and that's why I think I was jumping up and down when I found your website. I went, <laughs> oh, my gosh, somebody actually has it written down in an easy format because I'm out there doing it, walking it, and I don't want to go back to my computer and try to type it all up and make it to where people can can grasp it in that way. I'm I'm kind of out there. My prayer has always been I wish to serve, I wish to grow, I wish to know all I need to know. Place me right. where I need to be doing what I need to be doing. And and all these people just come on my path through the strangest ways. Well, yeah, you know, it's interesting cuz for me um I've always had this base as Michelle was saying about seeing the love in everyone and in fact I wouldn't even be doing this work if it wasn't at some level infused with the understanding that every person in their essence is divine and every person in the world has a heart and in fact one of the most important websites I feel we have is called uh, the moment of love and it's momentoflove.org and the starting sentence in momentoflove.org is every person in the world has a heart and so moving from that base of acknowledging that we're all in our core love, we're all in our core divine, then I invite people to open to understand the light and the shadow. 
and to understand that there's a dance between the light and the shadow. And there's a part of us that wants to polarize everything and say, this is good, this is bad, or, you know, this is light, this is dark, and the dark is bad and light is good. But the polarization just creates all sorts of conflict and tension. And so when we recognize that, you know, dark is not bad and, and light is not necessarily good, it's just a what is. And it's all divine in its core. And then we work to understand both the light and the dark and to interweave them and dance with them. That's when life becomes really rich and fulfilling on many different levels. Let's get to the juicy part. This may be where some may see this as the dark side. You had mentioned that you had seen some cover-up of UFOs. Do you wish to share that? <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Because the UFOs and this stuff is not even that scary. Um, it's just, it blew me away. Basically, there is all of this really solid, hard um, evidence of a major UFO cover-up. And the major cover-up website that I manage is called wanttoknow.info. And uh, this is, actually has become our most popular website. We get about 4,000 visits a day now. Um, at wanttoknow.info, there's a number of topics that we cover. And we find that we're trying to really reach the, the people who make a difference in our world, people who know they can do something about it. And we find that many of these people are freaked out by UFOs, so we don't go right into UFOs on the home page. You have to go, um, if, you're, if you go to the website, there's an other category at the top right and you place your cursor over there, and then you'll see something that says UFO cover-up. And there you'll find we have a whole section on UFOs. And the, the, what woke me up was this amazingly powerful video that showed all of these government and military witnesses talking about their personal involvement in a major cover-up. And these are the kind of people I used to work with. I worked with many top generals when I was working as a language interpreter, and they're really good people. Even though, you know, I don't support the war machine by any means, a lot of the people in the military think they're doing the right thing and think they're serving their country. And, you know, yes, I don't agree with the war machine, but I respect that these two are divine individuals doing what they believe to be right. And they're, most of them are very good people. So these government and military witnesses saying they were personally involved in a major cover-up that just kind of opened my eyes and I started exploring around and sure enough there's literally hundreds and hundreds of very respectable people who've come out including um, Edgar Mitchell, the sixth man to walk on the moon has come out and talked openly about a major um, government cover-up and many others uh, other astronauts, other top generals the former chief of the CIA so if you go to our UFO Information Center, you'll find lots of links to go and find this information. And one of the things that we specialize in is whenever we present some evidence, we also give links to go and verify that evidence from a reliable source. And that's why our, uh, the website wanttoknow.info has become popular, because we, we always give reliable, verifiable information so that people can verify what's going on. Michelle has seen a UFO, I have seen a UFO, and I don't even know if we call them UFOs, I think identified flying object is more of a, a better term, as Mark Kimmel would put. What do you feel in your exposure to this information, in your belief, what do you think is going on? Well, you know, what I found is that the UFO situation is quite complex, and a lot of people want to try to make it simple, and it's just not. There are many, many UFO species 
ET species, if you want to call that. I mean, this universe is huge and vast, and there are many thousands, if not millions of species of beings, um, some of them humanoid and some of them not humanoid at all. And what I have found is that overall the UFO situation is much more like Star Trek, uh, where there are, you know, there is this galactic council, the, the Federation, that really is working for, you know, the growth and um, expansion of all sentient beings throughout the, the galaxy. But there are a few rogue ET species also that like to stir up trouble, like the Klingons. And, you know, there's the prime directive that you don't go in and interfere in uh, evolving planets until they've reached the stage where they're ready to start doing interplanetary travel. And so it's amazing how Star Trek is a great metaphor for what I've come to believe is really going on with the UFO and ET situation. Yeah, I've heard some say that Star Trek was channeled. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I totally believe it to some degree. And I think that they may have been literally fed information by some of those in the know as well. Michelle, any comment? Wow, that's incredible the way you languaged that, Fred. Um, you know, I, if, as far as I'm concerned, um, I always had a fascination with Star Trek when I was a child and, and connected with it. And um, my contact has been through, I, I guess you would call it kind of like a telepathy of sorts. You know, the, the dolphins started talking to me through telepathy, and these benevolent beings started coming through through telepathy. And through meeting people like you I'm able to connect even further with them I don't I don't see him and I don't hear hear him in my ear but there's impressions that are that are that come through and I know from my own personal feeling that I connect with benevolent beings of who come in love and light that's how I like to language it that all who come in love and light are welcome and if they can place insight into me that I can share with the world to help the world evolve, one of the things they gave me was evolve or become extinct. Mm. And I feel that their message has to do with um, we're, we're not here to sit here and watch Big Brother every day. We're, we're here for our own spiritual growth and evolution, and they're showing us the way for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're getting a lot of... Uh, <laughs> little-known intervention in wonderful ways that uh, and it's not just ET beings there's other dimensional beings you know there are many dimensions to this reality and beings ET beings are often third or fourth dimensional but there are other beings and and the more expanded the realms the more more powerful the help but also the more expanded you become the more you realize we're, we're not in any danger it's all a part of the divine unfolding the cosmic play where each of us is playing a role. There's one great piece talks about how, you know, when we die, all of the people that we see as our quote-unquote enemies, we all look at each other and we laugh. It's like, oh, wow, Uh, that's right. We're all just beautiful divine beings, and we took on these roles to try to help each other learn and grow. This third-dimensional reality is a place where we get to sort of bump up against each other and learn from each other and find out how we've created separation and how we can come back together more in love. That's so beautifully put, and it it really brings me to Lorraine and I talking about the movie that came out on Friday the 13th about 2012, and it it seems like, I haven't seen it personally myself, but from the trailers, it seems like that movie is trying to push us down into fear, and 
from my understanding of the Mayan calendar and the end of the Mayan calendar is that we're actually creating the next now through our thoughts and feelings and projections in this now moment. Mm-hmm. So the reason why we don't, they didn't see into the future from that point forward is because humanity's never had this crossroads yet. We've never come to this place yet where we're actually creating it in this moment. Is I very much resonate with that. To me, humanity for millennia has wanted to be saved. I mean, look at look at Christ and Muhammad and all of that. It's, the, the religions that got built up around them were all about being saved. And when you're waiting to be saved, you're, you're living in the future. A part of you is not fully present in this moment. And the way I've always seen it is this is the most magical, precious moment we have. It's the only moment we ever have. You never exist outside of this present moment. So if you're waiting for something in 2012, just like you were waiting in Y2K or waiting at the the harmonic convergence, um, you're still waiting. And I'm not saying it's not powerful things don't happen at those times. There may be some wonderful, powerful things that happen in 2012. Probably will because the collective consciousness is so focused on it. But the most important time is right now. And and by the way, just a common misperception that the Mayan calendar does not end in uh, 2012. The Mayan calendar has the highest counter is 35 million years for every count of the Alatun. You can look that up online. And so it's something like the equivalent of the Mayan calendar reaching the year 10,000. And so it's just a common misperception out there. So what you're saying really is that we, on a daily basis, we just center and go with the flow, and what do we do when we see something like 9-11, for example? Well, I think the most powerful thing anybody can do is to first just recognize your reaction. Like, if, if it puts you into fear and anger or whatever emotions, like, oh, okay, this is bringing up those emotions in me. Can I have an observer that steps back and goes, okay, here they are, accept that those emotions have come up, and then come back to the deeper understanding if you really open up to that the universe is this beautiful cosmic play and that every being is a manifestation of the divine the more you get that the, the less you need to live in fear not that fear won't come up but you'll recognize the fear as an invitation to growth and so it's keeping the grand cosmic picture in mind while acknowledging all of the other stuff that comes up, the other feelings. Um, you know, 9-11 happens like, oh my goodness, okay, 9-11 happened, so what's next? 9-11 was actually a huge wake-up call for me personally and for many, many people I've met. It sort of gave us a kick in the butt and said, all right, time to get moving. And, I, you know, things really started taking off for me after 9-11. And I'm not saying it was a good thing. It's not, it's not about good and bad. It's a what is. It's what happened. And when we move from that deeper spiritual place where we surrender to the universe, we can then powerfully create from there and create a, a beautiful new paradigm, which is rapidly unfolding right now. Here's a question for you then, because... I want to delve a little bit deeper into this whole 9-11 thing and the cover-up, and I know there it, probably anyone listening to this radio show got here because we are like-minded, and if that's the case, I know that most people realize that 9-11 was an inside job. What does that mean? Illuminati, we can go there, but I want to ask the question if we're trying to transform this. For example, we've got, as a result of 9-11, the continued programming, I just came from the airport, so this is fresh on my mind. With TSA, the Transportation Security Administration, with Homeland Security, and the programming of us as the human populace 
being programmed to take off our shoes, to relinquish certain basic rights, all in the name of security and against terrorism, what do we do in that situation? Do we just send a, send love to the TSA agents? And I, I think each individual, I don't think there's a right and wrong thing to do. Each individual has to, and the best thing you can do, in my opinion, is open your own heart, open to your own connection to spirit, and do what you feel is best. It's going to be different for each person. There are times when civil disobedience is absolutely wonderful. I have several friends who regularly go to jail doing civil disobedience, and I think that's awesome. I personally am not called to do that because I'm called in other areas. You know, it's whenever a person sees destructive behavior, behavior that is going to really hurt or harm somebody, I think that is a call to step in and do something. You don't just sit there and send love when someone's about to get killed or raped. You, you, you step in and do what is necessary to stop the violence. But the key is, even as you're taking concrete steps to stop violence, to stop any sort of destruction, can you still hold the idea that the people who are doing this in their core are divine and not fall into a place of anger and hatred with them? I worked as a psychiatric nurse for uh, about eight years, and I used to have to work with kids who were completely out of control and were trying to bite, spit, scream, and hurt anybody in their way, and we would literally have to take them down and put them in four-point restraint. They were so out of control. But it was beautiful to see. I worked with some great people that we could actually do this with love in our hearts, and you could see how it affected these kids. So we, taking action is important. When you feel called, step in and take action. You know, there's ways, like going, walking through the airport, there's really nothing that I know that we can do there. And so in that sort of case, like, okay, this is just what's set up. It's a what is, so I accept it and just move through with love and compassion. But if there's somewhere that I can go in and make a difference, I'm going to do that, which is how, you know, I ended up forming all these websites. Like, here's a way that I can make a difference by educating people so that we can shift the collective consciousness. And when we shift our own consciousness and the collective consciousness, everything else shifts along with it. I like the way that comes across, Fred, because you're really, you're giving people their personal power back, and every person is unique and different, and mm -hmm. every person will receive a message differently when you're open, and you realize that we're all sparks of this divine creator source that's within each one of us, we'll each react or respond differently to each situation, because that's what we're guided to do. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're helping to get people to that space of opening up to who they really are, and why they're here. Each person is here for their own specific reason. And once we can really hone in on that and figure out who we are and why we're here, we can move forward with grace. Absolutely. And humor. And humor. Absolutely. You know, yep. we're, we're, we're meant to be laughing and having fun. And have fun. And That's right. Okay, I can share a great metaphor, which I love. And uh, I want to just first mention, though, that for people who are interested, uh, we have free online courses that go into all of this. And most of you listeners would probably most appreciate our transformation course, which you can find at transformationteam.net. And the analogy I'm going to share with you is in that course. Basically, you could consider that right now it's as if the Earth has a huge uh, tidal wave that's about to crash down and swallow everybody up. And you can watch, you know, people's reactions. Some people, when they see this tidal wave, they're just paralyzed with fear. And then it crashes and they're swept away. Others seeing it, they just run for their lives. It's like, oh, my God, we've got to get out of here. We've got to get out of here. But you can't outrun the wave and it sweeps you away. 
But then you find those who have a pretty solid spiritual path, they see the wave, and basically they go, wow, there's a big wave here. I guess it's time to take a deep breath and dive right into the wave. And so if you dive right into the wave, well, what happens? Then you pop up on the other side in a new world. But then wait, there's one more piece. Then there's the transformation team. Who are the transformation team? Well, we're out there with our surfboards. Mm. <laughs> all in the deeper level. It's a beautiful thing. It's like, all right, guys, it, the wave's going to come. There's nothing we can do about it. Let's get on our surfboards and ride this baby. Mm. And so, you know, each of us has, you know, finds our own way to deal with what looks like a crisis. And yet, if we know on the deeper level, it's all a part of the divine unfolding. Hallelujah. Amen to that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot I'm of I'm having a blast. I mean, even though I, I look at some of the deepest, darkest cover-ups that would make some people throw up, literally, I can tell you some of the stuff I see. But I, you know, because of what I've had to go through in many, many lifetimes, I've learned that it's all apart, and I can look at this stuff and even hold compassion for the perpetrators. Yeah. And this is a key. If you can start to find a place of compassion for the perpetrators outside and the per parts of you that are perpetrators inside of you, that's when the transformation really starts taking off. Very, very true. Mm. And Marie, it's not you've, you've heard some of my stories about that and how, how um, you know, knowing that the people who, who create these crimes and do these crimes, they were all born at one point. And Fred, Absolutely. I use your analogy. They were born as a baby, and I don't believe I've ever held a baby and looked at it and said, oh, you're so evil. Right. I've never looked at a baby and said that. Of course, it's like, oh, look how sweet you are. You see their beautiful, benevolent spirit shining through. Mm -hmm. And it's whatever happens in the course of their life that creates these circumstances, that creates this monster, you know, type of behavior. If you can go back to their core childhood and forgive whatever happened in their childhood and love that child, eventually you can love them as an adult to, to help set them free on their path of healing. Yes, and that's transformative both for you and the person you're dealing with. Absolutely. I actually have, um, since I've started doing this work, I now actually call myself a shadow dancer. Mm. You know, I'm definitely a light worker, but I'm also a shadow dancer because I've learned to enjoy dancing with the shadow. And so one thing that happened is uh, several years ago, I met this guy in a meeting who was really kind of seemed like very subtly but powerfully trying to take over the meeting in very dark ways. And I was like, whoa, this guy is messed up. And what eventually ended up happening is um, I met him in another, concert, uh, another uh, venue, and we actually got to know each other. And actually was able to see the beautiful divine peace in him. And he could recognize it in me. And he really is somebody who I would say is more identified with the dark than with the light. And he freaks a lot of people out. But we sat and talked and we had an amazing connection. And since then he's become a very good friend of mine. And I can tell you that even though he still freaks people out and he still in a way uh, really values the dark more than the light, but he also values love, he is transforming big time, and I am too, by learning how he thinks and how he works and why he does what he does, and he's being very open and vulnerable with me. Um, and me doing the same, we are both learning and growing. And so to me, this, my work with this individual friend is probably more powerful than that I do with anybody else, because he's not somebody I would normally connect with, but we found that we both understand that we're both a part of this cosmic play and can see each other from that point of view 
And so it's an amazingly powerful relationship that I really value. So, you know, I guess it's true when you hear the saying that says, you know, the fear and the anger is a call for love. And that's what you're doing with the shadow dancing. Is that as if, in my mind, I see it as you go up and you kind of just touch it and kind of tap it and start to explore it where other people would just turn away and not be a part of that. But you're saying to, to look for that. And, Michelle, I know that's what you do with all of your your contacts that come to you. You know, you just you help them see it. So that's really what it is, shadow dancing. Yeah, I, ne- I never thought of it in those terms before, and I thank you for that. Because just yesterday on a hike, somebody asked me, you know, she said, how, how come certain people trigger me? You know, at, I, we'll be in a group, and, and there's certain people that just, they just annoy me, mm-hmm. and and that makes me smile because I can feel the vibration and see that. But at the same time, I'm seeing their divine self. So what I've had to do with with my what I do is learn how to put boundaries around it, so that I don't get sucked in so far that um, you know I'm losing myself as well. But actually see both sides of it, and then help other people to see both sides of, of the person. You know why are they triggering you and. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at those triggers and, and also how to send love to that person as well. Because like, like you said, every person has a heart, and that heart wants to love and be loved. So let's tap yep. into that. Yeah, and we, I think it's really important to recognize where we personally are at, too. There's times when I may be in a really vulnerable state, and I'm just not feeling very open, and that's not the time to go out and try to be connecting with you know, people that are really different from me. But then when I'm in the right place, I can, I can more do that. So I, I, I think the most important thing is that we're authentic to ourselves with who we are and where we are in this moment. And, but then having the deeper intention of, yes, I always on the deepest level want to find ways to connect. And when I'm in that space, that's when I can really powerfully reach out and invite transformation. Mm-hmm. Like at our celebration, Lorraine, when we did that with all those people on 11-11 and they were all connecting, we're not like that 24-7. We were in the moment there, and that was awesome, and we had all these hearts connecting and expanding and opening, but then there's times that we go into ourselves and, you know, stay stay contained, and it, that's so important to know when when to do it and honor it when you are doing it. I want to ask, I know your take on 2012. But when you both look in the future, what is it that we see? Well, I'll be really honest. I've really stopped looking at the future. Um, you know, I, I know it's going to get better and rich, and I know there may be some some difficult times ahead too. But I I really spend little time trying to. You know, I can tell you, there's times in the past where I've I've even made some predictions or thought about this and that. And these days, it's like you know, whatever happens, it's going to be beautiful in the long run. Great. I'm much more focused on the right now. That's just where I'm at. Great. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I just I was just sent an email by someone who's predicting a, a you know major major catastrophic events in Los Angeles, the area I live in, Los Angeles down to San Diego, and going into that fear mode. And my belief system tells me that I am right where I need to be, doing what I need to be doing. So. If those things were to come true, these predictions, even if they were to come true, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And mm-hmm. I, I'm so not afraid of what's on the other side. I know it's right. all beautiful and it's all benevolent. So we just need to maximize 
our experience in this moment where we're connecting in this moment and not be thinking about anything that's happening in the future because we're living now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not to say that we don't make plans and stuff. I mean, certainly we all do that. My calendar is booked up for, for months with different various things. But the focus is, is the now. And, and, you know, I think there's a way that we're brought up most of us believing to, to do what the right thing and avoid the wrong thing, you know, good and bad. And so we act how we think we should act rather than how we feel is right to act. Mm-hmm. We develop all these rules about, you know, I should be doing this now and I should be doing that. And I think should is not an empowering word. If you really check in and feel in each moment, what is the best thing for me to be doing right now and move from that place, from your heart, then life becomes a lot more fluid, authentic, and enjoyable. So becoming aware of some of our own programming is is a great way to start uh, kind of breaking free of the past constraints, too. And breaking away at that old programming, you said earlier, it really is identifying, stopping when we get angry or when we have jealous thoughts, stopping right there, being aware. Yeah. That is the number one. Absolutely. It's so powerful when you're in the middle of a, a challenging situation with a spouse, a friend, or whatever, your family. If you can just stop, that is so powerful. And then from that place, you can choose. It's like I can, there's times when I know, for instance, with, with uh, my best friend, is my, my former girlfriend is still my best friend, uh, there's times when she really needs to vent. And what that looks like is like, okay, we stop. Yep, this is a bad situation. Would it be helpful for you right now to just vent and let out all your frustration? And sometimes like, yes. And so I'll be quiet and let her just vent, bump, bump, bump. And it's amazing. It's like a balloon that slowly just releases all this tension. And when it's gone, she goes, oh, my God, thank you, and I'm so sorry, and da-da-da. And so there's times when we might choose to actually go into the difficult emotions to move through them. And there's other times when it's like, no, no, I don't need to do that. Let's just go straight into the love. So it's just being authentic in each moment about our our needs and feelings. Transparent. Yes. Yeah, transparency is a word that I really relate with. I, mm-hmm. I a lot of people have used that with me because I, I I show exactly who I am, and I've some people you know sometimes tell me not to do that, but that's just the right way for me to be but i think that it's it's cute when you when you give those analogies and i think back to shift the word shift when you're in a situation where you're feeling that and you're feeling like something needs to be done if that anger is coming up and and maybe it's time that they the anger came out but at the same time you want to shift out of it as well that you have tools to shift and yeah. loren you know i loren what do i tell you about that that Humor is the best way to shift. If you can, mm. if you can find humor in that moment when somebody's so angry, you know, and you can get them to find the humor in it, you can shift out of that as well. Balanced, of course. And another thing, Fred, that you bring up that that I love is language. When you talk about um, where did you you put that word um, should. I, right. I really like that you're you're bringing us back to the present moment with the languaging, and that's why I love to use affirmations with I am. Mm-hmm. I am one with all life. I am limitless abundance. I am the harmony of my true being. Those are pretty powerful statements to put out to the universe. 
I manage a uh, nonprofit organization which now has about a dozen websites and invite you all to take a look at the home page of the organization which is called Peers Public Education and Empowerment Resource Service. And the website is peerservice.org. So www.peerservice.org. And there you'll find a brief description of all of our websites, all the free online courses, and you can find out which one most resonates for you. Because it may be, not be best for you to go to wanttoknow.info right now and learn all this deep, disturbing information if you're already overwhelmed with all these other things. So you can go to that website and see what, what draws you, what attracts you, and particularly invite you to take a look at our, our online courses. We've just been getting rave reviews from people about how literally it's transformed their lives. And it's really exciting to get those emails and, of course, makes me feel like, okay, I'm on the right track. I'm excited about the way you offer them, Fred. I think it's a great opportunity for, for me to say what my plans are in terms of I do go to your websites and refer people constantly to your websites, and it seems like the holiday times are the times where I start thinking about that's the time where I'm donating to my favorite charities, mm -hmm. and I see yours as one of my favorite places to go to donate because I, ha I haven't up until now, but it's Christmas time, and it's time for me, you know, when you when you put out you you receive abundantly we you know this has been talked about in tithing for years but i really feel that now's the time for people to put out to organizations like yours that are nonprofit, that are giving all of this information freely and i personally am making that pledge to you today that you your organization is the one that i have chosen to pledge to for my my uh, holiday donation time well, thank you so much, Michelle. That is very sweet. And I think you, you get, we are trying to do this all making it available free. I was very blessed that, you know, I was making good money. I made as much as $80,000 one year. And so I put a lot away, and I had about 200000 put away before I got my life's calling in 2001. And then I quit my other jobs, and I've been living off that savings. I don't have enough to retire, but I've been living off that, and I'm just so committed to the new paradigm that I'm committed to not putting any advertisements, putting it all out there free, and trusting that the universe will, will give back. And it's going well. I haven't gotten paid yet, but we've been able to pay the people that we need to pay to do what we do, and the donations up until this year when we've had the economic crisis have been going up very strongly, but we really appreciate any support, and if nothing else, I think just having that attitude of abundance and giving to whatever organization you feel is best and most resonates for you, that creates an open, flowing energy out, which will then circulate back to you as well, something I think that we all know on the deeper level. Mm -hmm. And your website is 100% donation-based, so mm -hmm. I would like to take a brief moment and read a statement from your moment of love because you mentioned that we really need to go there even in any part of our fear and this is what Michelle preaches you both preach that that moment this brief statement which I pulled from your website momentoflove.org reminds us of the common humanity we share with all people in our world by choosing to focus less on what divides us and more on what unites us, we can more effectively build a brighter future for us all. And here is the poem. Every person in the world has a heart. Every heart has a place within 
that wants only to love and be loved. Let us connect with that place of love in our own heart and in the hearts of all around us. Let us take a moment now to open to the heart connection we share with all people through love. I would just really invite people to to sit with that. Um, you can go to momentoflove.org and take a moment and just really close your eyes and open to the fact that there are billions of hearts around this world. They're not just people, they're people with hearts. And when we really feel the love connection through the heart with all six billion whatever people, and we can even open that to the plants and animals, we can feel this web of love that interconnects us all. So I invite everybody, uh, when you have the time to sit and just be with that presence and see how it doesn't help you to shift to a deeper, more expanded uh, way of living. Loren, when you you read that from Fred's website, did you feel the energy flowing through us because we were all open in that moment and we were spreading that love to the rest of the planet? I felt it all the way through my body. Mm, It really resonated. And because I'm sensitive to energy now, I haven't always been, but I felt it flowing through us. And that's, that's what my calling, that's how I found your website, Fred, was... I kept asking, what is it that I do? And I kept hearing the name, A Circle of Radiant Love. Cool. When I Googled it, I got Web of Love. And I said, wow, here's the same thing that I'm doing, but it's documented. It's in word form. Great. I don't have any, I'll have to do the work now. I mean, I can just do the work, right? Right, right. So I invite every person who listens in on this call to go create their own circles of radiant love, their own webs of love, where whenever you're gathered with other people, take a moment to feel, visualize and feel these vibrations of love and unity and gratitude and abundance and joy and be in the moment. It only takes, you can do it in as little as five minutes. But when we're gathered together, even if we're gathered together talking about conspiracy theory or whatever to take that moment and to be present in that moment connecting hearts and sending that love into mother earth and all the celestial beings and sending that and radiating it out that's what i feel we're here to do Mm -hmm. that's the transformation team right fred you bet and thanks and may i borrow your concept i you know we call it circles of love i'd love to add in the radiant um, if you don't mind borrowing that that's, that's, that's the website I'm building. is called a circle of radiant Beautiful. Yeah. And you can be nice. contacted there right now, a circle of radiant mm. It's just amazing that both of you are able to come here on this show and share your knowledge from both of your walks of life. I thank you both for being able to live this in your life, make it the utmost priority in your lives, and really be the example. You are true leaders and and light workers. I've learned a ton just by being here. I loved the tsunami analogy, the big giant wave analogy. We can face that wave and it it doesn't hurt. You don't feel anything. You just take a deep breath and pop up on the other side. Or pull out your surfboard, either one. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Body surfing. It's been a pleasure and an honor to be on the show with you and Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. It's been great to share the love and the transformation with you. 
You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Loren, for what you're doing. By you're the bridge. You're bridging it. You're getting the information out. We thank you so much for your role in all of this. We're we're all joining together, and that's so exciting. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Now I'd like to leave you with music from the universe. This music is actually created by the universe. Computer musician and composer Phil Windsor assigned musical notes to mathematical equations, and this is the result. It's truly music from the universe. Available at AcousticHealth.com. Listen, enjoy, love, and be. Thank you.
them out there. You're putting people out there. <laughs> Ty, I told you we are. Hello?